Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com. From St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. There is a wisdom that comes with being a young person, and maybe not even just a wisdom, but perhaps more radically, at its root, a freedom. A freedom from those experiences with the systems as they are. David, if we were to give folks the benefit of the doubt and say maybe some don't realize that they were being dismissive of young leaders, what has that cold shoulder looked like to you? I'm Elaine Cha. For many people in our region, 18-year-old Michael Brown's fatal shooting by police officer Darren Wilson in Ferguson and the local and national protests that followed stand as singularly formative moments. A significant number of young people, then ranging in age from their mid-teens through their mid to late 20s, were galvanized by the Ferguson movement. And in the years since, many have taken up roles of leadership around issues like education, equity, and justice. One of those folks is David Dwight IV, soon to be former executive director of the St. Louis nonprofit Forward Through Ferguson. Here in studio to talk about his experiences as a young leader is David Dwight. And as a note of transparency here, I first met David when we both worked in different capacities with the Ferguson Commission in 2015. Our history includes collaborations around engagement and storytelling for Forward Through Ferguson as well. Without further ado, David, welcome to the program. Thanks so much for having me. It's wonderful to be here. I'd like you to take us all the way back to your decision to come to St. Louis. What did you know or maybe think you knew about this region before you came, and did that change once you had lived here for a few years as a student? It absolutely did. So I went to high school outside of Philadelphia, uh, and it was originally for college that I came here. There was another student uh, a couple years before me who had come to WashU to study uh, the same engineering degree that I was interested in, and that's how I learned about St. Louis and had the chance to come and visit here um, before actually coming to the school. And and that was part of my journey here. And I've, I've learned an incredible amount since, but I think I actually benefited from not having a lot of an impression of St. Louis before I came here. Mm-hmm. And did you know anyone here before you moved? Who I, No? No one. So you were very, very uh, bright-eyed maybe bushy-tailed. Absolutely. (laughs) They could be described as that. (laughs) So you did become involved with the Ferguson Commission and then later with Forward Through Ferguson, which is the the nonprofit that grew directly out of that commission and its 2015 report. How did you become involved with the commission? So in my time at school, I was studying biomedical engineering, but I quickly saw this disconnect between what I was learning in my engineering classes and my experience as a black student on campus, the experiences of a lot of the black staff, and then how I saw WashU uh, interacting with the St. Louis region. And so this degree was about you know, engaging with creating the medical technologies that would transform the, the region and the world, um, but it felt really disconnected from some of the lived realities. 
Um, and so it was my senior year when Michael Brown was murdered. Um, and I was back on campus, back in St. Louis, early the week after he was killed and got engaged with uh, organizing efforts that were happening with students. And that's how I first got activated in, in racial equity work in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. And was that that involvement with what was going on on campus connected to some of the other other communities or groups that you had already sort of been um, been working with or, or spending time around? It was a lot of the extracurricular work that I was doing was around um, racial equity, diversity, inclusion training on campus and trying to improve that condition. Being involved with groups like uh, this uh, after-school mentoring program called uh, Niños Cambios Puertos uh, that went and connected with uh, Latinx populations across the region um, and really starting to see that that uh, disconnect with some of what I was learning and, and wanting to get more involved. Mm-hmm. So then becoming an intern with Forward to Ferguson, how did that happen? Yeah, so I had done a year of organizing work with dozens of other student organizers um, at this group called uh, St. Louis Students in Solidarity that had campuses that had uh, their own uh, chapters at different campuses across the region. Um, and after doing some of that campaign work with uh, uh, Washington University, uh, got to meet Brittany Packnett, who was one of the Ferguson commissioners. Um, and WashU had this program where they provided seed funding for students that wanted to get activated in the community. Um, and so I'm thankful for that opportunity to then apply and become an uh, intern and a fellow at the commission. Right. And I want to say I misspoke there. It was the commission, not Forward Through Ferguson just yet. So you did serve as, from what I remember, uh, as a communications intern? Yes, communications intern. Um, what did you learn from that process? So the beautiful thing about it was the people at the commission, and I would include you in that, in the staff's orientation was, if you were there, no matter what your age level, where you were coming from, you were there because there was some destined work that you were able to offer to it. And so they provided high expectations, but also a lot of trust to be engaged with that. So I really learned about the importance of not just technical expertise, or learned expertise, but really lived expertise Mm -hmm. and and getting to work with the storytelling uh, team and learn from so many incredible creators in the region taught me so much about that. One of the other things that connects to youth is I, and doing this kind of really crisis work after the murder of Michael Brown, is that a lot of people don't know what they're doing when it comes to this work, uh, for how systems can be better, for how uh, people at all levels and all sectors can do this work better. Everybody was figuring it out. And in a lot of ways, that was empowering to then bring what I could to that process. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that I'm, I'm wondering, you in the Medium post um, that was published the same day the announcement went out about your moving on, you had listed a number of, of people who've been part of um, of that path that you have followed yeah. from commission intern to Forward the Ferguson staff and then eventually to becoming its executive director. How much of that path was a, p- a path that you chose for yourself? And to what extent do you think it was a path laid for you? Mm, I think um, one of my most uh, cherished reflections of these last eight years of work with the commission and then forward through Ferguson is it's just been an honor to be one in the number, 
to be part of a broader movement of people that are trying to move the St. Louis region and this country forward. Uh, and so I had some idea of, of what I what I hoped for, what I hoped to be engaged with, but I truly did not have a map out for the opportunities that I'd be able to engage with. And I'm so thankful to that. And that's one of the most beautiful things about St. Louis is the unique set of passionate people that we have ready to change. And it's been, you know, on so many of their works that I that I stand. Mm -hmm. And that path has not always been one lined with roses Mm -hmm. Um, in that same medium post. Um, you, you shared some very personal thoughts, and it featured three developing thoughts and ideas that have been on your mind. And one of them was a statement of fact, as you have experienced it. That is, quote, we must change St. Louis's cold shoulder for young leaders. Now, there was a, a paragraph you wrote in that section that really stuck out. It would be great to have you read that on air. May we have you read that for us? Sure, Absolutely. The region has not yet internalized one of the lessons of the Ferguson Uprising, whose young leaders organized to transform the region and inspired the world to be better. There is a wisdom that comes with being a young person, and maybe not even just a wisdom, but perhaps more radically, at its root, a freedom. A freedom from those experiences with the systems as they are, which in any march for liberation can certainly be complementary with the knowledge of people across the age spectrum. David, if we were to give folks the benefit of the doubt and say maybe some don't realize that they were being dismissive of Mm. young leaders, what has that cold shoulder looked like to you? Yeah, it's it's shown up in a lot of ways. Um, There is sadly a trend that sometimes happens with young people in St. Louis that have a passion and a vision for this place, which is sometimes they end up leaving. Sometimes they face these confrontations with what is in St. Louis and don't really find opportunities to be invested in and to really have a voice and a stake. And it's hard for anybody that feels passionate about a place to not have that met with some agency in how things change. And so I've seen that show up both in my journey towards being executive director um, and often a real look towards traditionalism in St. Louis for what a leader looks like. Mm -hmm. And with that kind of bias towards that traditionalism, there's a lot of overlooking that happens um, of young leaders. And I I definitely have had that that experience and, and had feedback at various times that really diminished and was part of this this sort of you're not mature enough yet mm-hmm. to really know what matters most or um, your your vision isn't as relevant. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I don't say that to center my particular vision, but just what often happens across the board to young people. And you are connected with other young people. Absolutely. Too. It's been one of the biggest joys to be yeah. uh, in relationship and learn from those other young, especially black and queer leaders in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. We're speaking now with David Dwight IV. He is the soon-to-be former executive director of Forward Through Ferguson, which is a nonprofit that formed out of the Ferguson Commission and its 2015 report. Um, what you had said about the the frustrations of being a young leader, um, the Medium Post went out live uh, January 24th, 
And clearly, this must have been something you were thinking about before you wrote that. You know, one might say, well, you know, that is true in plenty of places that young leaders are, are given the cold shoulder and at many times in history. But David, why is dismissal of or resistance to young leadership in St. Louis uniquely troubling? Yeah, because, um, you know, with with the Ferguson uprising and the movement that sparked from that, that truly inspired a nation to confront racial inequities, to confront the brokenness of some of our American systems. And that is not just a story of the last 10 years. That's a story of St. Louis across time. We've had incredible social justice movements, civil rights movements that have pushed our nation forward. But if that passion that grows wildly, wonderfully in St. Louis isn't also met with a readiness by the region to invest in that, to honor that, to embrace the way that that makes us all stronger, then that's at St. Louis's detriment. Mm -hmm. And I think we saw that a lot with the organizing and the organizing groups that grew out of St. Louis. When you actually look at the data, St. Louis didn't receive as much national investment into our local uh, movements and regions and, and efforts trying to make us better because there wasn't that same level of embrace from the establishment of those efforts and those leaders. And so we were seen as not as grant ready or not as investment ready for those kinds of funds. So we all lose out <laughs> when yeah. we don't embrace that, that wisdom. Well, and I think part of the irony of that is that um, St. Louis has often touted uh, its openness hmm. to innovation and yeah. not having that openness is it it is telling i don't i don't know of how many things but certainly of of something that's worth examination and you know i am not asking you to name any names <laughs> but is there a, a specific example of an initiative or um, some idea or approach that was dismissed because from your perspective, um, you were too young for them. Yeah, um, there have been. Um, I try and find a, a specific instance. Um, there have definitely been times when it comes to thinking about policing and public safety where that kind of wisdom about what could be different, what is unacceptable in our region hasn't been um, taken into account. And um, there have been times where I've been engaged with business leaders um, who were uh, confronted with what was going on um, and wanted to use the name of Ford through Ferguson, but not actually invest in what was happening. Mm. And so we've had uh, experiences where um, gifts or commitments were made to the organization that were later reneged on and removed from us. Mm -hmm. um, there's been instances where the name of our organization or other organizations have been lifted up um, when the investments then went elsewhere into more traditionalist ideas of, of how to move forward. And I think part of it is our systems have a really high tolerance for young leaders burning out. We are willing to accept a lot of churn and burnout as just part of 
the reality of, of what is mm-hmm. without confronting the, the deep impacts that that has on those individuals and others. And that pattern of leaders of color burning out is something you identified in that Medium post. Did you recognize that pattern manifesting in yourself? Or was the proverbial sort of burnout smoke something others saw before you did? Mm. I think both. I think there are ways that it manifested that others who I'm in this work with said, hey, I'm seeing this pattern. And then there's also ways that I, I deeply knew it was going on. I, I mean, to be honest, there were versions of reality where I would have left much earlier than now because of that weight that can come with doing this racial inequity work. I mean, a year ago, um, as some of the stresses of the work, and, and not just unique to me, but I, I was experiencing some of them, came to a head after Cora Faith Walker died. And something, and I think we saw how that affected a lot of people across the region, but I started to have panic attacks the week after that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know I'm not the only <laughs> uh, young leader that has experienced those kinds of panic attacks and and uh, with that resistance that comes to, to efforts for change. Mm-hmm. Now, I want to make sure that we talk about what the goals of Forwardthy Ferguson have been um, and what it is trying to do. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, so Forwardthy Ferguson comes from the legacy of the Ferguson Commission this incredible, nationally unique, historically unique effort that engaged over 3,000 community members to channel their pain, their passion, and also their ideas for the future into a policy document. And Ford through Ferguson came about to say, okay, what does it look like for this policy document to become real? What does it look like for institutions of power across the region to really listen to voices of color, voices of the most impacted, and change this compact of inequity that we have in our region Mm -hmm. to shift how resources flow, to shift um, the narrative, and to shift policy and practice. And so those goals are, you know, they they strike me as very macro, Mm. um, and they obviously involve what happens at the the meso level as well. But it seems that nonprofits in general, and maybe even especially at nonprofits that focus on justice, equity, and liberation. They deprioritize internal work for the Mm. sake of those larger goals and the people they quote unquote serve. And you've written that you're proud of the internal work that Forward to Ferguson has done. How do you know that that critical internal work has at least in some part been achieved at FTF? That is such a good point because um, nonprofits that do racial justice work historically receive less funds um, than, than other organizations, especially if they're led by black people or black women especially uh, face that kind of disparity. So there can be a scarcity that's imposed where you have to put all that effort into the external work um, and then the internal can spiral. And so um, I think that definitely happened in Fort through Ferguson as well. And we really came together, the co-chairs, the staff, and made a commitment to say, this is not what it's going to be like forever. We have to have a healthy reflection internally of equity if we're also going to be doing that work externally with the community. And so we worked on a lot of things. Um, we did internal healing work. 
Um, we looked at our pay schedule to make sure that it was living into equity. Um, we looked at the ways that we had parental leave, that we were supporting mental health and other forms of health um, to really make sure that we were trying to not be an organization that lived into that burnout pattern. Mm-hmm. And I guess to, to close here with a note about youth, one of the, the signature priorities of forward uh, of the Ferguson Commission and then with Forward the Ferguson is youth at the center. Mm-hmm. And yet you've been critical of how the community has reacted to young leaders, including yourself. Do you think Forward Through Ferguson can be successful in St. Louis without a, a fundamental change to attitude? No, I think that sort of narrative and priority change will be vital. Some of my proudest campaigns that I've been able to be part of have been around youth policy change, some of the things like changing out-of-school suspension rates for uh, schools across the region. And I do think that St. Louis will continue to limit itself if it doesn't change its attitude and approach to that youth of the center approach. David Dwight IV is the outgoing executive director of Forward Through Ferguson, the nonprofit formed directly out of the Ferguson Commission in its 2015 report. He spoke with us about his time as a young staffer and leader of that organization, and he'll leave that post by the end of March. Thank you, David, for being with us. Thanks so much for having me. episode was produced by Emily Woodbury. Audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Dorr. Our production intern is Avery Rogers. Alex Hoyer is our executive producer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. podcast proudly supports St. Louis artists by using music from Life Creative Group. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thanks. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com.